Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Eric Glissmeyer. There's no business like show business and no boulevard like Broadway. The street has been at the center of America's theater industry for nearly 100 years. And when you go to Broadway and stand with the droves of other people hoping to get a ticket, you can feel anticipation, fanfare, and glory pulsing through the air. I'm not exaggerating. It's palpable. And while you wait for your ticket, you can't help but think of all the behind-the-scenes bustle going on in the theaters and in the off-Broadway and the off-off-Broadway playhouses, too. Performers funneling through wardrobe, hair and makeup, stagehands situating sets and musicians, directors, dancers, conductors, concession workers, and ticket takers all mobilizing before the rising of those great big velvet curtains. Not everyone gets to stand in the limelight and incandescent lights of New York's Great White Way, but today we have two musicians that have been to the tops of Broadway's glittering peaks, soprano Susan Facer and conductor Gerald Steichen. We're thrilled to have them here, and I'll chat with them throughout the show, but I can't think of a better introduction right now than to let them perform. Blue. 
That's him. That's him. The way you feel about a hat created just for you. That's him. That's him. You'd know the way you feel when the fireflies glimmer. The way you feel when overnight your hips grow slimmer. Wonderful world. Wonderful you. Directly from the printer, you look at him. He's so commensable. He's comforting as woolens in the winter. He's indispensable. You know the way you feel that you feel you should conceal the way you feel that you really shouldn't feel wonderful world wonderful you that's That's him from the Broadway musical One Touch of Venus, performed by Susan Facer and Jerry Steichen on Highway 89. I'm Eric Glissmeyer. Susan Facer was Christine for the Phantom of the Opera's second and third national tours and also on Broadway. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. It's good to be here. You graduated with a vocal performance degree at Brigham Young University and had an interest in opera. You were even preparing for the Metropolitan Opera auditions. When Phantom came along, would you share that story? Oh, sure. So I was living in Houston, Texas with my husband and my then three-year-old son. And in the newspaper, there were, it said there were open calls for Phantom of the Opera. And so I thought, oh, you know, it's a publicity stunt, long shot. I wasn't even going to go. And then my friend called, and she made me go. She drove me there. She said, Susan, <laughs> you have to go. You have to. You yeah, have to. You have to. Right. So I went down, and there were literally hundreds of people there, you know, singing and I went in and I sang something and they said, do you have something else? And I said, yes. And I pulled out my other piece of music and I sang that and they said, can you come back tomorrow? So I came back the next day and there were five or six other girls. You could tell they lo were looking for Christine's because that was the type. So I went in and they had given me, think of me and asked me to bring back something else. And so I sang that for them and they said, okay, thank you very much. And I just chalked it up to a good experience. So then I go home, three weeks later I get this phone call from New York saying we'd like you to come to New York and audition. There's a Christine that's leaving. We're gonna use an understudy for her to cover her spot and we're looking at you for a person in the chorus and to be the Christine understudy. And my mom happened to be in town and I, I was on the phone and I just, I started crying. I was bawling and my mom said, what's wrong? And I said, mom, they want me to go to New York and audition for Phantom of the Opera. She said, well, what's the problem? And I said, well, you know, I have a three-year-old son. I have a home. I have a husband. You don't just go leave and do these things, right? And she said, well, what would Keith say? I said, 
well, he'd tell me to go, of course. She said, so that's what you do. So anyways, I, they flew me to New York. I got to see the show. That night I had a ticket to watch the show. Then the next stage I was on the Majestic Stage Theater, you know, auditioning for Christine. And the thing that was really neat, I, there were four or five other girls there, and some of them were understudies from other companies, and I was the last one up on the stage. And after I sang, they all came back, and they said, congratulations. N not only, you know, when we asked you to come here, we said we want you to audition for a part in the chorus and be Christine understudy, but we want you to take this girl's spot who is playing Christine and perform the role of Christine oh, on the wonderful. second national tour. So it was more than I could have even hoped oh, yeah. or wished for. So that's the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> and then you and your husband and your three-year-old son went on the road for a year, isn't that right? We did. All three of us were on the road for a year. And then my husband uh, started law school. So for the second year, it was just me and Mitch. But the first year was, you know, just great. The three of us traveling from city to city, doing everything that there was to do in that city. Wow, yeah. that's just fantastic. I've, I've wondered what it's like to come into an established production like that, one that was already essentially mm -hmm. its own machine. What was your experience like stepping into that, like like rehearsals? Did you, did you learn staging with the whole cast around you, or was it one-on-one -on -one with a stage manager? Right, or right. What was... In New York, they, first I went to New York for a solid week, and they just worked with me, and I learned everything in New York, pretty much learned the entire show in the week. And then I went um, out to California where the show was touring and just fit myself in worked more and then did a dress rehearsal and fit myself into the company. And they told me when I went on the first time, they said, oh, just pretend like it's a dress rehearsal. <laughs> so that's what I tried to do. <laughs> you, you tried? Were you successful in pretending that? <laughs> yes, it went very well. Oh, good. So. <laughs> uh, with major productions like Phantom of the Opera, there's always the potential for accidents or surprises on stage. Mm. I heard that uh, Thomas O'Leary's hair once caught fire while playing Phantom. Uh, this is true. I was on stage with him when you it happened. You were when it happened. I was. Oh. <laughs> Wow. It was very frightening, and he's on stage, and he is singing. He does not stop, and he is singing final layer, patting his head like this, Holy putting cow. out the fire. It oh, was dear. crazy. Was he okay? He was okay. He was okay. <laughs> he put it out, and we finished out the show. Well, that's quite a story. Were there any other mishaps that you encountered or surprises? Oh, many, like many. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, rings have dropped. Shoes have fallen off. Uh, travelators haven't worked, all sorts of things. <laughs> and that's what's fun about live yeah, theater is that anything can happen, and that's what makes it fun and fresh and exciting for those of us who have, you know, yeah, yeah. performed you just the, have to be in the show hundreds don't of times. You? Exactly. <laughs> prepared and, and just ad-lib sometimes. Well, some more music now, and I have to say I'm looking forward to the next couple of selections from one of my favorite musicals, 110 in the Shade. Here's Susan Facer and Jerry Steichen. Simple Little Things and... Is it really me? Not all dreams are great big dreams. Some people's dreams are small. Not all dreams have to have a golden fleece or any kind of fleece at all. My dreams, like my name, are very plain. No shining night must kneel. My dreams, like my name, are very plain. But nevertheless, 
all I want are simple little things. All I need is someone beside me to have and to hold. Someone to love me as we grow older. Simple little things, simple little dreams will do. my blue suit breast Lizzie kind of scratch between my shoulder blades Lizzie are the children all in bed That's what he'll say I'll say my husband Is it really me? Is it really true? Suddenly I'm beautiful Being here with you Deep inside your
Is It Really Me? And before that, Simple Little Things from the Broadway musical 110 in the Shade, performed by Susan Facer and Jerry Steichen. You're listening to Highway 89 on BYU Radio. I'm Eric Glissmeyer. Jerry Steichen is the principal pops conductor of the Utah Symphony and also the music director of the Ridgefield Symphony Orchestra in Connecticut. Jerry, you're from the small town of Tonkwa, Oklahoma. Very true. Kind of the middle of no place. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of hours away from from Tulsa. Anywhere. From anywhere. Um, pretty, pretty yeah, much, no, huh? no. You can either fly into Oklahoma City or into Tulsa, or closest to us, actually, is Wichita, Kansas, which is only an hour away. Okay. But we are definitely Oklahomans, not Kansans. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record. Set that record straight, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> no, it's a great place to grow up. It was a little town of 3,000 people. Um, I have five brothers and sisters. It was one of those towns that uh, kind of... Middle America, everyone rides their bike everywhere. Your mother knows if you got in trouble before you get home. <laughs> There's no way to get lost. Um, everybody knows everybody. I started kindergarten with the same 32 people I graduated high school with. Wow. Yeah, it was went, a great way to go. Went through all of that with them. Absolutely. So, and sounds like a great place to live. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I look at my friends who grew up in big cities, and I wouldn't trade the experience of a small town for anything. Number one, no one tells you no in terms of, I'm going to grow up and be a conductor on Broadway and do opera and travel the world and conduct symphonies. No one says, you can't do that. So the world is really full of possibilities. You can also try anything. I remember, you know, my sister and I took square dance. We weren't very good, but we had a good time. <laughs> we played tennis. We swam during the summer. We all played instruments. We sang. We were in college bowl. We did debate. Uh, so you can tr kind of try everything. And people expect you to because they need you. You know, both of my brothers were on the football team, and I was in the marching band. And 
you know, so you you get to try a little bit of everything. Your dad was the high school band teacher, um, right? He was for years, and then there's a junior college, Northern Oklahoma College. It's NOC. We called it No Other Choice. And oh. <laughs> all of us went to school there, and Daddy actually got his advanced degrees in administration and um, ran the counseling center and also taught psychology and sociology, kept his hand in music, so he still directed the band and the musicals. And then we farmed during the summer. We grew up farming wheat. So, again little bit of everything. Yeah, really. So watching your dad conduct, did you learn anything from him as a conductor, would you say? Absolutely. In fact, um, my babysitter tells great stories about putting on a record and me marching around and conducting to records growing up. And then the big thing I remember when I was in second or third grade, I was sitting under daddy um, while he was conducting the college orchestra, uh, the band. And um, I was I actually said, Daddy, the third trumpet player is really flat. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, you're sure it's the third? And I pointed to the guy and I said, yeah, him. And so Daddy said to the third trumpet player, well, you need to push in a little bit because my child just says you're flat. And so he, the trumpet player, like, push, you know, he's a college kid. He's like, all right, he pushes in. And, and then he played again. And I was like, much better. <laughs> oh, uh, a critic from a very young age. <laughs> True. But we grew up with music around us all the time. In fact, it's funny now I sit down at the piano and I don't know whether I played the pieces or if my brothers and sisters played them because there was music around our house all the time. So I sit down and my ear knows the piece whether my fingers know it or not. And growing up with with the incredible diversity of music that we listen to, everything from you know, John Philip Sousa marches or Rodgers and Hammerstein or operas or symphonies. We grew up with that all the time, so we were just surrounded by music. So when did you first decide that you wanted to go into it? Oh, gosh. Um, I had already been in college for a couple of years. I was going to be the attorney of the family. So my associate's degree is actually in accounting pre-law. And then That's I re- very interesting. Did, <laughs> did you like doing that? Or, I did. Or, you did. But, I, I thought but then what math changed? was well. I thought math was really fascinating, and and numbers and music are very similar, actually, in terms of For the sure. side of the brain that they mm-hmm. use and how um, they're both languages that you get to play with and experiment with. Um, but I realized that I was spending more time in the school of music and with the theater and dance and drama majors than I was with my accounting colleagues, and I thought, well, I should. Make maybe try this. So I went to my parents and I said, um, I think I'm going to change majors and go to Oklahoma City University, which was the big music school in the state. Um, And I'm not sure what I'm going to major in, but I think I'm going to try music. And my parents were incredibly supportive. They said, well, you might get the education degree, so you have something to fall back on. And I said, no, if if it doesn't work out for me to be a performer, I think I'll probably go back to law school. So I changed majors. Again, I went as a bassoon major. um, And then I was a dance drama major kind of music theater and then I was an opera singing major for a while and then I actually got the degree in piano performance but what I really did that whole time was a company so what, what I love to do is sit at a piano and play for singers like Susan um, and the joy of being a conductor um, is that I get to do that just with a larger group of people. Now after having 
after having been away for a long time, you went back to Tonkawa, and uh, did, did you find that rejuvenating to, to be back there for? Oh, I go back about four or five times a year because my parents are still there. They're doing great. They actually come out here to Utah every summer and spend a week coming up to the Deer Valley Music Festival. They love Utah, and uh, so we have a great time. But I go back to Tonkawa all the time. My brothers and sisters are still there, um, all my nieces and nephews. Um, I also do a big concert out at Northern Oklahoma College every year where we hire a professional orchestra and bring a couple of singers in. So I get to give back to the community, which is really important to, to us and our family. Well, I'll let you get back to the piano now to accompany Susan Facer in Mr. Snow from Carousel and then a cabaret song called Amore. His name is Mr. Snow, and an upstanding man is he. He comes home every night in his round-bottom boat with a net full of herring from the sea. An almost perfect bow, as refined as a girl could wish. But he spends so much time in his round-bottom boat that he can't seem to lose the smell of fish. He kissed me the whiff of his clothes, knocked me flat on the floor of the room. But now that I love him, my heart's in my nose, and fish is my favorite perfume. Last night he spoke quite low, and a fair-spoken man is he. And he said, Miss Pipperidge, I'd like it fine if I could be wed with a wife. And indeed, Miss Pipperidge, if you'll be mine, I'll be yours for the rest of my life. Next moment we were promised, and now my mind's in a maze. For all it can do is look forward to that
wasn't the policeman's fault in all the traffic roar. Instead of shouting halt when he saw me, he shouted amor, 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 amor. Even the ice cream man, free ice creams by the score. Instead of shouting butter pecan, one look at me. He shouted amor, amor, amor. All over town it went that way. Everybody took off the day. Even philosophers understood. How good was the good, cause I looked so good. The poor stopped taking less. Stopped needing more Instead of shouting no and yes Both looking at me Shouted a past the church house door instead of singing amen the choir was Amor and Mr. Snow, performed by Susan Facer and Jerry Steichen on Highway 89. I'm Eric Glissmeyer. Susan Facer made her Broadway debut in Riverdance and is known for her performances as Christine with the second and third national tours of Phantom of the Opera. Locally in Utah, she recently performed with the Salt Lake Choral Artists at Libby Gardner Concert Hall at the Kaysville Tabernacle and with musicians of the Wasatch Chamber Music Society. Susan, your move to Utah came after 13 years in New Jersey. And there was something very serendipitous about the day you moved because you saw someone in the airport. It is true. So it was actually 
I was, I was going to Utah to house hunt. My husband had already moved here. He had been here for a year. I'm going to Utah to go house hunting. And I'm standing at the kiosk, and I look over, and I'm like, Jerry Steichen? <laughs> and I hadn't seen him in, I don't know how many years it had been, but it had been a long time. But there he was, and so he was going to Salt Lake to start his job here with the Utah Symphony. So we reconnected, and the rest is history. It's almost like something out of a musical, right? I know. <laughs> we could write one. <laughs> Quite amazing. Now, how did you and Jerry first meet? When, when was that? Well, Jerry was associate conductor with Phantom with the Second National Tour. So when I joined that company, that was when we first met. Was just there probably during rehearsals, you know, first, and then the performing. Yeah. So, what have musicals meant to you in your life? Oh gosh, musicals—they've always been a part of my life. Even though I majored in vocal performance and was planning on doing the opera thing, I've always loved musicals. Been in them in high school, enjoyed going to them. My kids are in them all the time, so it's just a big part of a big part of our lives. Do you have any favorites? Oh, I have lots of favorites. <laughs> well, I I love 110 in the Shade. That you yeah. know, I just sang yeah. a couple of numbers from earlier. Um, what else? Um, well, Wicked was sure fun in New York. That spectacular. That oh, was yeah. amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, there are lots to choose from, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, if, if someone, I mean, it's hard to imagine someone not having seen a musical as a, as a grown person, mm -hmm. say. But if somebody were looking to see their first musical, where would you, what would you direct them to? What oh, musical should they see, do you think? Their very first musical, if they were to go see a musical. Um, I guess it depends on the type of person <laughs> they are. I mean, I I love something like West Side Story that's so dramatic, you know. Or, I mean, you have such, you know, sweet musicals too, like She Loves Me, that's just the sweetest thing ever, you know, a sweet story. So it really depends on the person's, you know, personality. Sure. But I would probably, some people, you know, if they haven't seen a musical, musicals, it's, you're kind of taken outside of the real world, you know. And so you, they just have to prepare themselves for, okay, people are going to be singing. They're going to break out into song. And that's just the way it is in the, you know, the musical theater world. It's a suspension of disbelief, right? right and you exactly. just have to place yourself in the milieu. Right. I mean, if you go to the ballet, people dance, right? And, right. and nobody really does that all the time in real life. Or, <laughs> Except my daughter. Well, <laughs> a few people do. Yes. So, so there are, the, the art form calls for, for something different and it's an extension of life, right? Right. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about the next song you're going to sing for us. Bewitched from Pal Bewitched, Joey. Bewitched, that's what I'm going to sing. This is from Pal Joey, and it actually is a, an older woman. I guess we'd call them cougar. It's cougars nowadays, right? <laughs> but um, this is just a, a beautiful, a beautiful song. And um, <clears throat> Kay, I'd love to sing it for you. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's an old standard and, and uh, <laughs> one that continues to thrill us. So we'll... We'll enjoy that now. Here we have Susan Facer, Jerry Steichen at the piano, Bewitched from Pal Joey by Rogers and Hart. He's a fool, and don't I know it? But a fool can have his charms. I'm in love, and don't I show it like a babe in arms? 
old sad sensation Lately I've not slept a week Since this half-pint imitation Put me on the blink I'm wild again Beguiled again A simpering, whimpering child again Bewitched, bothered and bewildered am I
Bewitched from the musical Pal Joey, performed by Susan Facer and Jerry Steichen. I'm Eric Glissmeyer, and you're listening to Highway 89. Jerry Steichen is the Utah Symphony Principal Pops conductor. He also spent 10 seasons with New York City Opera and 18 years with the Meet the Artist program at Lincoln Center. Jerry, I keep mentioning your post as the Pops conductor at Utah Symphony, but it occurs to me that some of our listeners might not be familiar with what that means or what kind of music that involves. Would, would you explain that? Um, sure. Um, we actually call it the entertainment series at the symphony. Um, I'm kind of the fun guy. So I do everything from the music of ABBA to the music of Wicked Divas, or we just did here in Utah a big concert called Do You Hear the People Sing, which was all the music of Alain Boublil and Arnold Schoenberg, who wrote Les Mis and Pirate Queen and Miss Saigon, all of those tunes. Um, I do the Holiday Pops concerts. Um, I conduct a lot out at Deer Valley. We have Pink Martini up there. Um, this summer, we're going to be having Arturo Sandoval, the music of John Denver. Uh, Mandy Patinkin is coming in um, next season. Uh, during the entertainment series, we'll have Brian Stokes Mitchell. So it's a combination of... of Broadway people or popular groups who now do symphony shows or um, kind of the fun music. Yeah. Do you get to choose who's coming? I mean, how, does your, how heavily do you weigh in on the decisions about which groups, which artists come, and which repertoire will be performed? Well, it's kind of a committee approach. So it's a combination of what I want to conduct and what we think will sell and also what people will enjoy. Um, and variety is really the answer. Um, a little bit of every, something for everyone. So if you don't think you're going to like the music of John Williams, although who doesn't like the music <laughs> of John Williams, then come the next month and hear the music of Disney. So a little bit of something for everybody. That's a great question, though, Eric. Is there something you're just dying to schedule for a, one of these concerts? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, true story. I was very excited. Last year, I was in Portland, Oregon, and got to conduct the Indigo Girls. And I've been a huge fan of the Indigo Girls for years. And they now are doing symphony concerts. So I said, we have to get the Indigo Girls in Utah because they're an incredible group. Our audiences will love them. So excited about having them here. So they hired them. They worked out all the contractual stuff, the dates. They're going to be here. And I am not conducting it because oh. it falls during, um, it's the 10th year of the Deer Valley Music Festival here in, in Park City. Um, and Keith Lockhart is coming back as part of the celebration. And their concert happened to fall on his week. So Keith gets him, oh, you which can't, is awesome. You can't I mean, arm wrestle him or anything? No, no. And Keith nice. is a really great friend and, <laughs> and actually has a great deal to do with my being here because um, he's the one who really recommended me. I had conducted for him in Boston with the Pops there. And he said, we should get him out to Utah. Um, so I can't really complain too badly. But I was, I was kind of bummed about that because the indigo girls are it was my idea yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> oh well you still get to have fun with lots of others right? very true very true <laughs> you have more than one tie to music making in utah before the symphony position you conducted for utah festival opry in logan right? up in logan michael ballam's company up there i spent six summers up there really magical summers up in cache valley and the people up there and the productions and getting to hike up there and, and make great music and, and do what I love to do, which is a combination of opera and classical music and um, the Broadway music, yeah. and, and operetta. So getting to do a little bit of everything. 
How did that collaboration come about? Um, Michael had actually heard about my reputation through New York City Opera because I was there for 10 seasons conducting opera at New York City Opera. And when I started at City Opera, we did 18 productions a year. Um, so you were cranking out a lot of operatic repertoire. So Michael came and saw me conduct there and he said, do you want to come out to Logan? And I honestly had no idea where Logan was. <laughs> so I looked Have you even been map. to Utah before? Um, I had been through Salt Lake. I had been skiing here before, but I had never worked here before. And I had certainly never been to Logan. So you looked it up. And I did, and I was like, okay, I think I can get a rental car that will get me there. <laughs> and then had six great summers, and then um, Christopher Macbeth at the Utah Opera asked me to come and make my debut here. Um, that was in 2002, doing a little night music. And members of the orchestra said, we should get you to conduct the symphony. And Keith came to a couple of my performances of Little Night Music, and that's how I ended up being here. Well, we're really happy to have you here. Oh, I'm thrilled. I call it my, I call it coming home every time that I, I land here because I have great friends and favorite restaurants, and um, plus I get to make music with the Utah Symphony and people like Susan. So life is good. Well, it's time for the final number on today's program. Think of Me from Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber, Susan Facer, and Jerry Steichen. Think of me, think of me fondly when we've said goodbye. Remember me every so often. Promise me you'll try. On that day, that not so distant day when you're far away and free. Find a moment, spare a thought for me. And though it's clear, though it was always clear that this was
Think of Me from Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera, performed here in BYU Broadcasting Studio 6 by soprano Susan Facer and pianist Jerry Steichen. And that concludes another enjoyable hour of Highway 89. Susan Facer relocated to Utah from New Jersey in 2009 and can be heard at various concerts throughout the state each year. Most recently, she performed with the Salt Lake Choral Artists at Libby Gardner Concert Hall and also collaborated with musicians from the Wasatch Chamber Music Society. She made her Broadway debut as a singer for Riverdance and is well known for her performances as Christine with the second and third national tours of Phantom of the Opera and on Broadway. Thank you so much for singing for us today, Susan. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a great hour, and we welcome you to come again anytime. Thanks. Jerry Steichen is the Utah Symphony Principal Pops Conductor, also music director of the Ridgefield Symphony Orchestra in Connecticut, spent 10 seasons with New York City Opera, and today he played the piano on our program. Thank you, Jerry. My pleasure, Eric. It's been a pleasure talking with you and hearing you play. We always welcome your comments and questions about our show. To contact us, send an email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and the show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Eric Blissmeyer. Thanks for listening, and give my regards to Broadway.